This is uh this is my very first podcast in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell and you can't unsee that. <laughs> Brad, there was a time I once I once saw you in bike shorts. Oh, that was not good. We tried I, to re- I still remember destroy the vol- all evidence. <laughs> a volunteer picnic, and I believe you actually had a speaking moment oh. or something or a prayer for dinner. No, I had bike shorts on? You had bike shorts on, and it was just appalling. I said, Brad, is there, is there a, now, now you're on staff. That would no longer be allowed. There's some sort of modesty policy I think there's in the handbook. <laughs> Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Well, welcome to a little better. Uh, Welcome to to our continuing summer trek through the book of Colossians. Help me out here. We're on week number three. Week Week number three. 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 And uh, we might need a church-wide communication because we falsely said a couple weeks ago that there were nine, but no, 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 you get 10. 10. There are 10. 10 weeks Weeks in Colossians. Colossians. Sadly, you get two of me in that series and two of you. Coming up. Two of you, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, next week I get to follow you, Mm -hmm. and then in four weeks I'll go, and then you follow me. So we each get to clean up each other's messes. (laughs) If you can straighten out everything I screwed up. (laughs) Well, listen, no. Noah Bixby, Brighton campus pastor, great to have you bringing the word on Sunday, and mm-hmm. like we always do, for those who are listening, watching, why don't you give us your sermon in 60? Sermon in 60 was... 60 seconds, that is. 60 not seconds, not minutes? Okay, yeah, yeah. just good clarification. <laughs> um, is what are you doing with God? And so easy to do things for God, but often we forget to do things with him. And you can be doing great things. You can be serving God and you can change the world, but you can do it for yourself or for your own glory rather than for God's. And so this passage in Colossians says, God's will for our lives is to know him. And a lot of times I get that question, what is God's will for my life? It's for him and you to know one another, to be relationship together. And um, people doubt, you know, and growing roots is what keeps us firm in our connected relationship with Christ. And doubts are okay as long as we continue to grow in our faith towards Christ and set down roots into the soil of the gospel and apply the gospel to the soil of our trees as we grow in him. So the the day's sermon is called Rooted, and we're going to be talking about how to grow in Christ. Excellent. About 45 seconds there. Good. 45? Good, good, oh, good, perfect. Good job. All right. Um, listen, uh, I've been asking this question of late, and you actually already started to answer it mm-hmm. in your message, in message which yeah. was, I like to ask the speakers what was their personal journey mm-hmm. in preparing this message, but you went ahead and told that story. I wonder if you wanted to elaborate on that. What was your own journey as you prepped this message? Yeah. Um, growing up as a pastor's kid and growing up with a lot of pressure, there's a lot of people looking at you and, and kind of it's formed my life to feel like I have to act a certain way sometimes. And you feel like you have to perform, you know, or, or do good things for God or be a certain person or a certain way for God. And so as I started writing this message, um, it was, I want to write a great message. And that's not a bad thing to do, right? Christ calls us to serve and he washes the feet of his disciples and goes up to heaven and says, do likewise. But also, Um, we need to do it with him rather than just for ourselves or for our glory. And a lot of times I find myself shifting that subtle motivation in my mind of why I'm doing this. Am I writing this message so that Brad will eventually change his life or so that he'll think highly of me or so that you will learn something in this message? Or am I writing this message to be closer with God? Am I delivering this message for myself and others and what people think of me? Or am I delivering this message to be with God and to be with God's people? And I started started changing the way I thought about how 
how I wrote it and I started writing it. God, be with me as I write this. Be with me as I deliver this. And um, in my message, I, I talk a lot about, um, you know, if you could you could make coffee on a Sunday morning, you could teach kids men. And there's people who will come to Christ and they'll say, Lord, we did signs and wonders in your name. He'll say, away from me, I never knew you. And the key is to know God, not to do things for God, but to know him and be with him. Yeah, it's interesting for me to hear you tell that just because, I mean, I've watched you grow up. Yeah. I mean, your dad and I are friends, mm. and you're not only a pastor's kid, you're a pastor's grandkid. Yeah, right. Uh, Doubly a- work. Yeah, horrible, <laughs> right? So your brother's a pastor. Your I mean, pastor. it's the family business. I had three uh, uncles that are pastors. Incredible. Crazy. That's true. I've mm-hmm. met one of them, yeah. So, yep. yeah, so like I said, so it's interesting for people to hear mm-hmm. that there's still a journey for you that wasn't, you know, just clear as crystal from the beginning that... There's mm-hmm. patterns that you fall into too. It's just so easy for us to get tripped up and to think wrongly about this and to be trying to earn something, right? right? Or to or please someone. to something or please someone yeah. instead of enjoying. And I would encourage you and parents out there, is, you know, it's easy to put pressure on your kids to act a certain way, to be a certain way, to, to live a certain way, and to live up to those expectations. But what we really should do is introduce them to Christ. And you can have all the right things going on in your life and be doing the right things, but you can still not know him. And, and our key for our church is to introduce Christ. And so everybody has to make faith their own, right? You need to make faith your own. I need to make faith my own. And I need to own it rather than try to live my parents' faith or to try to do, do something for God or be something for God. Um, we could plant churches for God and never know him. You know, if we just, it's just so key that we have a relationship with him and that we're talking to him and that when we do things that we're doing it with him. Um, and even I was thinking about deconstruction and the idea of a lot of people who walk away from faith that I know or have, you know, met and walked alongside this journey of deconstruction. It's because we have expectations about what they look like, what they talk like, what they act like but we never introduced them to the heart of Christ and they didn't actually know and walk with him in that. And so it's very easy to be turned off by religion, by rules, by these, you know, look this way, talk this way, walk this way. But we, we never introduce them to who Christ is. Yeah. It's a, I think we should pause on that for a bit. Um, that's a big word for your generation. Hmm. I would say, you know, I'm a little older. Um, and uh, that word, but it's talked about quite a bit, is deconstructing. So what what do you even understand deconstructing to mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very popular you know, topic. Yeah. I think it depends on who you're talking to. And mm-hmm. so maybe defining it as good is a good idea. Um, pe- they pe- peeling back what you believe mm-hmm. and then sometimes rebuilding or reconstructing how you view the world. But it's tearing down what you believe to be your worldview, right. in my opinion. Yeah, and I've heard others talk about it also being um, basically to deconstruct um, like an ideology or a message or whatever. We're sort of draining it of its oppressive, manipulative power, okay? Mm. So, you know, the Bible could be read in a way that's oppressive, right? That just keeps the powerful in power and puts down and, you know, you know those that you want to be impressed. So that's the cynical view where I think, so in all kinds, this could be used in all kinds of things, right? Mm. It could be used in fascism, communism, all kinds of systems that, you know, yeah, but they, they try to hold up this ideal, but that ideal is really 
a farce. Mm-hmm. It's really just a way to, you know, oppress people and it's keep them in line. It's a standard of living. It's a religion. It's a belief system that... Right. Yeah. So I think when people talk about, like, deconstructing text, they're talking about draining it, you know, getting past the manipulation, getting mm-hmm. past, you know, you know, you know, you know, the lies. And I would say that, yes, I mean, there have been all kinds of people who either... Either cl- maybe they were Christians, maybe they just claimed to be Christians, but who have used mm. Christianity. They, they've done things in the name of Christ. They've done things, you know, they've preached the Bibles in certain ways mm. with horrible outcomes, right? I mean, we always think about the Crusades, you mm. know, things like that. But even today, is it to, you know, keep women in their place? Is it to keep, you know, you know, <laughs> preserve the wealthy, you know, mm. and, and, and not let others have a share of the pie. You know, there's all those, you know, things to do. Anyway, I'm rambling quite a bit. So I think, so the question is, is, is this just a, a text that's trying to manipulate us or is this genuine and sincere and truthful and introducing us not to ideas, but to a person, mm. right? And mm-hmm. a relationship. Mm-hmm. So I do think, We've seen hypocrites, you know, we've seen people, it's just sadly, you know, so true. But when we encounter those people who really walk a genuine walk, Mm -hmm. it rocks our world, right? Then there's, you just can't explain it other than a way that this person's really in love with someone. They really know someone. They're really experiencing someone. Anyway, um, I don't know if we want to say more about deconstruction, but the last thing, I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to finish it with this, which is I do have a you know, a son who mm. I baptized, you mm. know, when he was young and he mm. has walked away from the faith and he would very much be in that camp of deconstructing yeah. and basically saying, you're all hypocrites, you know, it's just right. a way to get what you want yeah. instead. That's really hard. It's hard. It's a very difficult thing. And I've had a lot of friends in the same boat and a lot of 80% of high schoolers graduating high school also graduate faith. A lot of them come back to faith when they look to start families and teach their kids morals and things like that. But 80% is the stat out there uh, of graduating from faith at 18. And I think what I would what I would think about as in that discussion is maybe are we telling our kids to to walk and, and dress and act a certain way because that's what we always do or that's what's right? Or are we saying we're going to do this as a family because we trust God and in saying it doesn't make sense, mom and dad, that you do this. Well, it's okay because we're trusting God. And I feel like we don't model that enough. We don't instill this relationship where you're learning and trusting God daily and learning from him and loving God, grateful, you know, for his love and forgiveness and adoption into his family. Those are Mm -hmm. all different things. And so in that way, I mean, if, if we are doing that, it's good that our kids rebel against that. Or right. It's good that mm. people reject that. That needs to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And so right. maybe, you know, it's a hard there check. There are things that we... for us. Yeah. You know, for sure. And we'll be praying for your son and praying for... <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and so many. But yeah, I, I so we have some of the same friends, you yeah. know, who um, yeah, have gone gone through that. It's Some of it needs to be torn down, right? Mm-hmm. There's certainly a lot of uh, faults stuff out there. Um, I, just as you were, I also was reading recently through Galatians and Paul Mm -hmm. repeats himself, Mm -hmm. you know, so much, you know, through there's the themes just come up again and again, but he tells that he asked the Galatians, did you 
you know, start with good works or start with faith. You know, why right. are you trying right. to do yeah. good works now? Mm-hmm. You continue in faith. It started with believing. It continues with believing. It started with a relationship. It continues, mm-hmm. you know, with a relationship. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Hey, listen, I know <laughs> you talked a little bit about a past life mm-hmm. where you um, got to play with the trees, I guess, for a summer. Was it yep. one summer? How often? How long did you I, do this? I did this? it for a couple summers. But I, I think... Was, you left yeah. on the table quite a bit of science about trees and roots, didn't you? Yeah, I was a prunus <laughs> expert. Uh, it's like a stone fruit type of trees, and so yeah, I, it was not. It was a hot job. It was crazy. It was wild, but um, I definitely learned a lot about trees there. And uh-huh. so this rooted message connected with me of different types of trees and growing their roots. And actually, uh-huh. did a little research on some trees even for this message, and it was interesting how deep different trees' roots go. Uh-huh. And one one thing that was interesting is the tallest, the biggest trees in uh-huh. the world, like redwoods or sequoias, uh-huh. they don't have a deep root system, but they stand together. Uh-huh. And that's how they they stay strong and firm and rooted is by using one another and the strength that they have around themselves to build roots firm into Christ. Um, but I think a, an interesting thing about roots and about Christianity that we miss a lot is we paint pictures of fruit all the time. I see so many like artworks of, mm-hmm. of, picture, of pictures of bowls of fruit and stuff, but we never look at the roots because they're kind of like gross and nasty and under the ground and dirty and filthy. And, you know, I think as Christians, it's like, I don't want to do the dirty work in my faith. I just want to focus on the fruit, right? God says produce fruit, so I'm going to try to produce fruit. And so we work really hard on our own to produce yeah. fruit in our lives rather mm-hmm. than trusting in him to grow roots that actually matter and make a difference and st- stabilize us and ground us and, and sink us into the faith and make us firm, to make us strong, to make us set. Yeah. And so we're blown around by the deceitful <laughs> practices of the world by because we don't grow. Yeah, I remember someone talking years ago about fruit stapling. Oh. You know, it's just like you take, take the same, and it's just like that we're just trying to do it in our own effort. You know, and it's just it's a it's a con. It's it's <laughs> fake. It's not working. I've but, stapled some fruit in my day, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> but if instead you have a genuine connection to a life source, yeah. right, that nourishes you, and then mm-hmm. you know, for genuine fruit, yeah, I um, it is. This is entirely useless to our listeners, but. Um, it is interesting to hear about the different root systems because there are root systems that go sideways. Right. There's root systems that go down. I remember someone telling me like the largest organism on the planet is actually, it looks like a grove of trees, but it's like, no, that's not a grove of trees. That's one tree. One tree. It's one tree because it's just, huh. it's a root system that spreads out mm. and it's one, but it just pops up wow. with, with all those trees. So, so I think there's a whole, so next summer, join there's us for sermon. Noah's series, <laughs> Trees. It's going to be very exciting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anything else on your mind about uh, something left on the table? Anything else before we... Move on a little bit. I'm good. You can move on. All right. So I want you to talk about, I think this concept might have been a little new. I mean, I was thinking about it as you were talking, and I'm trying to think, where am I messing up? How do I think about this right? How do I make the shift from doing Mm -hmm. for God to being with God? And I think in your sermon, you were kind of teasing out there might be new things we do to be with God. But I think probably one of the more challenging things to me was to think about not stopping what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm doing it with the wrong motivation. Maybe I'm doing it in the wrong way. Right. How Do you have examples or any you know, insight on this, ways in which you have done for God and how you were able to make a shift to mm-hmm. looking at it differently? 
The other day I was driving home uh, from Brighton, which is the new location, and we were, I was picking up some equipment, and I was driving past a homeless person in the church van with the church trailer. And I thought, oh, I've got to give this guy some money, right? Like, and so I looked around the church van. There's nothing in there. You know, it was just completely empty. But I was like, would I be more likely to give this person some money because I'm in the church van or not because I'm in my own personal car? And I was just like, it was just interesting to me to think about what kind of pressure expectation I'm putting on myself or my worldview or who's watching me drive by this person and, and who's watching me give them something, you know, out the window. And does that matter to me more than doing it with God? And am I doing this because I trust God and that I love God and that I want to grow closer to him? Or am I doing this because I want to look good? You know, I want to look like the guy who gave the homeless dude some money. You know, that's who, you know, and it's like, okay, do I want to be a good person or do I want to know God? And I think the motivation is just a, it's a small, subtle shift between, man, you can be doing something with the right motivation. I can be doing the right thing all the way along. And then right at the end, I just twist it and I get it all wrong. Because it's the right thing to do, but it was the wrong motives. And so many times uh, I fall into that trap. Yeah, I think the scripture just teaches that throughout. It's hard to appreciate. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things, yep. says Jeremiah, who can know it? So mm-hmm. there's just so many ways for us to convince mm-hmm. ourselves, so many ways to be deceived. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what Paul's ministry is here, is to, you know, these Colossians are in danger of being mm-hmm. deceived. Um, just spoiler alert, you know, when we go from your week, week three, to my week, next week four, it gets dark. <laughs> so it was, you know, these first three weeks were celebrating, mm-hmm. you know, Christ. Mm-hmm. But then next week, it's like, what what happens when the opposition comes? Mm-hmm. What, hap- what What are those things that, mm-hmm. you know, ways in which, you know, we can be deceived? But it's, it's just so hard. It's a lifetime, humble, prayerful thing mm-hmm. to keep from deceiving ourselves. I think for me, that difference between doing four and being with, part of it is that doing four always comes out of a deficit, right? Right. It's like, I have a hole, I have yep. a missing, I need, and I'm, I'm going to be okay if God affirms me or if you affirm yes. me. I right. can be very insecure, honestly, up 100%. there on the stage teaching yep. because I never know if people are with me or not. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, just be faithful and preach the word, let God do the work, but... I'll tell jokes because I want them to laugh because then I know they're with me. I'm like, okay, but that's, that's an insecure need Mm -hmm. on my part, you know, Mm -hmm. for that affirmation and feedback. And, Mm -hmm. and if we're doing that with God, it means we shouldn't have a deficit, Mm -hmm. right? We're already an overflow. We have an overflow overflow with Thanksgiving and gratefulness at the end of this passage in verse seven. And, um, and instead of overflowing with thankfulness and gratefulness, we work to please God out of the deficit in that we don't think we're enough, that we're good enough, we don't measure up, or that we're not a good enough Christian yet. Um, and so we try to produce salvation rather than growing in our faith and with God. Yeah, I love your word there, but overflow, right? Mm-hmm. When it, it works right, again, we've got these roots, mm-hmm. we've got this life source, it flows mm-hmm. out in fruit. It's mm-hmm. all about a gushing overflow from mm-hmm. what we've received. And people notice that. I mean, they they right. they, they can know tell. know what you're motivated. If if they know if you're sniffing for their approval, right, right, right. right. So, what did you think about that, Brad? How did you think this podcast went? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's in everything we do. Mm-hmm. There's there's the danger of that. Am I doing this for mm-hmm. affirmation, for approval, for a little more assurance that I'm okay, mm-hmm. or is this a genuine overflow? I was reading another letter by Paul this morning, and he said they invented all kinds of ways to sin, and I feel like that's me every day. I'll figure out. I'll be going on the right path. I'll be reading my Bible, and then right at the end of reading my Bible, I'll you know, think a thought that's just like, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm glad I'm done, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I just invented a new way to sin while reading my Bible. You know what I mean? And it's just, I am so broken and my heart is so deceitful above all else. There's nothing else more deceitful than a heart. That yeah. is crazy. I, that I, I'm in the same place that you are. And I'm thinking about that because I did have, I mentioned an experience a few weeks ago of, again, I, I have a Bible reading plan. I'm supposed to read like four <laughs> chapters a day and mm-hmm. I, I do it, but right. But if, if instead to have unhurried time in mm-hmm. the word, you know, and so just doing the series, you know, to sit down, read Colossians from end to end, yeah, you know, and just listen and s- see what's really said there, mm-hmm. that blew me away. So I think I would encourage others if we can find that unhurried time, mm-hmm. you know, to be with yep. God and yep. to listen, I do think he'll bless that. Mm-hmm. Listen, I want to end with two questions. We're going to get to the end here with two questions. So one of them is, hey, campus pastor, I'd love to get, why don't you share a Brighton update? Okay. Where are things at? How are things looking? Yep. And then the last thing is just just whatever encouragement you want to leave them with, mm-hmm. okay, in yeah. terms of let's focus on this. But uh, mm-hmm. how about that? Brighton update. How, how one, are things going? Huge praise. We just got a building permit today. Today? Today we awesome. got a building permit, so we can start construction <laughs> and start working on the building oh, in Brighton. that is which huge. Which is huge praise. We've been having everybody pray for that, oh. and that is just massive. I was scared. I know. I'll, I'll tell you. I, I thought you'd never get one like Brighton, man. They might, you know, just never give it to you. Oh, But we wow. got it today. Praise so while God. praise the Lord, it's, it's in his hands and in his timing, and it'll open perfectly in his hands and in his timing. Um, the thing I want to, I would love to encourage and leave people with is that I want it to be about people, that the campus is not about a place or about a production or about a process or about a, you know, it's a church is people. The church is me and you, and it's about a community and it's about reaching people. And I, I just don't want to lose focus on people and on relationships because in the end, everything that we have will go through a big furnace and it'll all be gone. You know, the cars, you know, I heard it said one time that my economics professor said, we live a life of boxes. You know, we live in a house, we, we live in a box, we drive a box, and when we're dead, they put us six feet under in a box. And it's a life of boxes. And um, when, you, when you're all said and done, the only thing that remains is relationships. It's relationships with you and I and with God. And I'd like to develop a church that's focused on those relationships with people more than it is about a place or about a process or about a production. Amen. Thanks so much. Love your heart. Well, listen, glad you're here. You stay classy, Rochester. Mm-hmm.